suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today we introduce the War of Jenkins' Ear. Ah, the, the War of Jenkins' Ear. Let's set the stage. This war involves England as one of the combatants. Well, of of course it does. Researching the last thousand years of history demonstrates that if there exists a state of war, it's almost a certainty that England is involved. You know, one can never prove a truth, but you you can falsify a theorem by one experimental outcome. Induction from past history can never provide proof of future outcomes. You know, for example, a field mouse with a life expectancy of, say, five years has lived perhaps 1,700 plus days of a placid, peaceful existence running about upon the desert sands. And in doing so, all the evidence is there that it can believe that tomorrow will be just like yesterday and the day before that, a good day. Except tomorrow brings the eagle, which swoops down upon that field mouse, producing the bloody evidence, past history of peaceful existence, doesn't assure a field mouse's life will end in a peaceful manner. No, it does not. And a recent study by the Smithsonian Institution has concluded that England has, in the course of the last 300 years alone, invaded 90% of the countries that now exist and which are considered by the United Nations as well as by FIFA, by the way, to be independent states on planet Earth. As is As is often said of bullies on schoolyard playgrounds, England doesn't play well with others. And and this is a rather astonishing statistic. Given the little isle of England contains less than 4% of the world's land mass and and contains less than 3% of the world's population. And of course, as a small island nation, you, you just got to ask yourself, how did they do that? And then how is it that they're still around? They must be doing something right or they would be ex- as extinct as the dodo bird. I mean, wouldn't they? So England, certainly. And of this, there is no doubt. They have punched above their weight class. You know, just ask the French whom refer to the English as um, perfidious Albion, meaning England is a state which is treacherous and cannot be trusted in international and foreign affairs. And this pretty much sums up Britain and its international diplomatic reputation. With England, one learns, usually at one's own expense, by the way, that there are no friends in, di- in diplomacy, no friends, only interests to be protected. 
And England's foreign diplomatic movements have paralleled later theories of quantum mechanics that hold that one cannot predict with precision both the movement and position of an atom's electrons. It's impossible. One can calculate, predict an electron's position, but then in doing so, not its directional movement. Or one can calculate, predict directional movement, but only at the price, only at the expense of being unable to calculate and predict the location of that electron. At essence, there is this. Calculating with certainty both one's position and movement is impossible. One can only predict or calculate simultaneously either the position or the movement and or both only to a degree of probability. There is no certainty. And this, this quantum mechanics theory drove Einstein crazy. He wasn't buying it. Nature wasn't a probability. He remarked, God does not play dice. And he really, for his entire the rest of his entire life, he never bought off on what he saw as this probability nonsense. His view was that the calculated imprecision was due human ignorance, physicists' inability to understand fully the impact of all the relevant variables and the scope, the extent to which their, they, their impacts were upon predicted outcomes. You know, diplomats of England's allies, their, you know, their allied partners certainly prove that England has, is, but you're unable to predict with any degree of certainty England's next move. You don't know its next move. It's changes in diplomatic direction and mercurial movements are just, they defy prediction. And it's frustrating and maddening. And more than that, a, a miscalculation by a diplomat, a foreign diplomat of England, could prove fatal to that nation's continued existence as an independent state. I mean, do you want some evidence of British unpredictability? I mean, there's tons of examples. Well, let's just give a couple. Think only of uh, uh, British ally uh, Czechoslovakia. The Czechs, whom witnessed with total bewilderment and horror, their nation being carved up by an agreement negotiated between Britain's Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain with Nazi Germany's Adolf Hitler in the presence of fascist Italy's Mussolini at a bargaining table in Munich in 1938. During negotiation sessions from which Czechoslovakia and its representatives were barred, not only from the negotiations, but they were barred from entering the room. Czechoslovakia as an independent nation was dismembered with the agreement of the Brits whom had banned the Czechs from participating in the, in the discussions with Hitler. Czechoslovakia as an independent nation would soon cease to exist in entirety. I mean, Neville Chamberlain returned to Britain waving a piece of paper proclaiming, you know, peace in our time, had that, he, that he had achieved this with Hitler. And, and the British people, they cheered him, mobbed him, called him a hero. And 
even as Hitler, back in Germany, laughed at him and mocked Chamberlain's obvious pulsanimity, noting to Ribbentrop, Erd Ribbentrop, they don't make them, the Brits, the way they used to. Or how, how, how about predicting this British diplomatic maneuver? You are Poland, and the Poles are aligned by defense treaty with both England and France. And they witnessed upon Nazi invasion in September 1939. England and France declare war on Nazi Germany. But after which, nothing was done. Nothing happened for nine months. Not a thing. Churchill referred to this as the phony war, and it was. You know, and in the in the interim, Poland was leveled by Hitler's Nazi Germany, you know, from the West and from the South. And Stalin, Stalin's Russia, they crushed Poland under the auspices of the secret protocol they had negotiated and signed with Adolf Hitler. They attacked Poland from the East on a pre-established date. And in 1939, guess what? Poland also ceased to exist as an independent state carved up by two ferocious predators, you know, led by bloodthirsty homicidal maniacs, while England watched from the sidelines and did nothing. So much for peace in our time. Let's, let's triangulate the unpredictability of the Brits by, by one more surprising diplomatic maneuver. Very surprising. And this one's current. How about this? How about Brexit, for example? Whoa, only yesterday. I mean, who saw that coming? I certainly didn't. For centuries, you know, the Brits have proven to be an unbelievably aggressive bunch of buggers. As they, as they sought to expand and protect their empire. I mean, haven't they? The only, the only conclusion one can reach when thinking through the meaning of an imperialistic nation to have been at war with more than 120 countries is they sure have been an, an aggressive, militaristic people. I mean, they're tough as hell. And they're as smart as hell. They're as tenacious as hell. And history has demonstrated that despite having been on the losing end of many, many battles, many a militaristic debacle even, the Brits have the intestinal fortitude to take a punch. They really can. They find the metal to get off the canvas. They continue to fight the fight. And in the end, they they win the only battle that matters, the last one. Well, <laughs> now that I think about this, there, 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 is, there is one exception to this. The Brits literally choke. They literally, they literally freak out and choke, freeze up tighter than a drum in the face of the one enemy <laughs> they cannot overcome in this world. They cannot make penalties in the World Cup shootouts. They just can't. Hell, in, in 2004 alone, England's football legend David Beckham missed three penalties during the 2004 Euro Championships. <laughs> I mean, this is like 0.15 chance of happening to the third power. That's a very small number, yet it happened Beckham missed three times, three times penalties. 
as a country in penalty shootouts in the world's most important tournaments, you know, Euro Championships, World Cup Finals, that sort of thing. The list of English, England's famous footballers whom have missed their penalties under pressure in shootouts is just staggering. There is not, there is not a Duke of Wellington, a Horatio Nelson, or a John Paul Jones among them. And by the way, I, I, when I say John Paul Jones, I speak of the John Paul Jones, the admiral, not, not John Paul Jones, the keyboardist, whom along with um, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and John Bonham came out of nowhere, well, nowhere being London, in, in 1968 to create what would be the, the, the for a 10-year period from 1970 to 1980, the world's greatest rock band, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> anyway, to finish the thought on British failure and penalty shootouts, in 10 major championships in recent history involving that were decided by penalties, England has lost seven of them. They are complete choke artists. So anyway, back to the war, you know, rather than a further discussion of football. We are going to return to the War of Jenkins Year in our next episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. Hey, thanks for listening. I know we got a little bit into the weeds, but I hope you'll pay attention and tune into our next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. My 
sails got to find a way home when did the skies change when did they turn back how am i ever gonna get myself back alone in my boat i think of my wife i'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life when did the skies change when did they turn back how am i ever myself back alone in my boat I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the seas of life on the high seas of life